This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, episode 175. There exists in the far reaches of the galaxy a band of adventurers who soar the gulf of time and space between movies. With their time-traveling starship, this group of retronauts passes through the decades at warp speed, embarking on strange and wondrous missions to explore the sci-fi and fantasy films of the 90s, 80s, 70s, and beyond. There's the seasoned and grizzled first mate, Steve McDonald, the eager and naive new recruit, Evan David, and the intrepid captain, Ben Avery. These are the Strangers and Aliens Retro Movie Missions. Mission 1, Labyrinth. Hello and welcome to Strangers and Aliens. I'm Ben. Ben Avery. Captain Ben, some might call me. And I'm happy to welcome you onto our, our uh, time-traveling starship. As we are going to be taking this journey uh, every once in a while. We'll jump on the ship, take a journey back in time, take a look at some movies that younger viewers or viewers with... Uh, actual things to do with their time may have missed (laughs) and i've been joined by sergeant sergeant steve mcdonald sergeant at arms okay (laughs) and ensign evan david ensign yeah sure why not what is what does that mean i don't that's my first time on a ship really low glorified cabin boy yeah it's actual rank it's an actual rank it's what (laughs) What uh, yeah, it's what you are, man. You're the newbie here. Yeah, you're the I newbie. I recognize this. Yes, and you're not just the newbie strokes. to the podcast. You're the newbie to some of these movies that we're going to be talking about. It's true. Movie, movie. In fact, I'm... the reason we're doing this episode is because you haven't seen some of these movies that we're going to be talking about. I'm new but eager. Sure. And Sarge, you're old but grizzled, right? Uh, yeah. man. Uh, if you say so, I guess. <laughs> And I am handsome and intrepid. <laughs> well, gee willikers. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so here we are. We're going to be taking some time the to... world? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> We're taking some time to look at some movies that may have been overlooked uh, by people who are looking at the... You know, they're seeing the classics. You know? Everyone's seen Star Wars. Everyone's watched uh, Blade Runner. Although, you haven't seen that, have you, Evan? I have not. Okay. <laughs> Neither the original or the remake. Well, there hasn't been a remake. There, there was. There has, yeah. yeah. It's awful. Don't go. Don't do that. A remake of Blade Runner? I think so, yeah. Didn't they do like a TV, like sci-fi uh, channel or something? Total, yeah, Total of, Recall 2070 or something like that? It was. It looked like it was set in a Blade Runner Philip K. Dick universe, but it was based on Total Recall. Total. That's what it was. Total Recall. That was it. Oh. I didn't have total recall about Blade Runner, so sorry about that. So, this is not where we expose Evan to horrible, terrible, no good, very bad movies. No. Although, that may be the result of some of these episodes, is exposing Evan to horrible, terrible, no good, very bad movies. Right. But I was kind of thinking we'd, you know, go back and forth between some decent and some bad, you know? So, like, we're starting with Labyrinth, the decent, and then we move on to some bad, so back and forth maybe a little bit and uh, or something like that. 
but looking at overlooked movies that people like us might have gotten, you know, might have seen, some of these will be movies that are okay. You know, they're not going to be all bad movies, Evan. So just don't worry. Yeah. Okay. There's okay. some enjoyment in these. Yeah. I, I'm eager. Eager. Yes. And so the way we're going to do this is we are assigned a movie. We are going to take the movie and we are going on a mission and we are going to go down to whatever that movie is from our spaceship. We will make reports back as we experience the movie uh, about every 25 minutes, I think is what we agreed on for Labyrinth. So that'll be four reports from Labyrinth, 25 minute, 50 minute, 75 minute, and after the credits roll. And then we'll come back and we'll debrief. And we'll come together and, and talk about the movie. But that way we're getting our immediate reactions from the movie as well as our conversation about the movie. So that sound good, gentlemen? Sounds yes. good. All right. Sounds, Very good. Sounds great. So, Dan, uh, you're not Daniel. This is the wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Evan. <laughs> now, yes. there, you know, some of the, the calling in and that kind of thing. That was actually inspired a little bit by what we were doing with, with Welcome to Level 7, though, where we'd watch the Netflix series, but there'd be so much distance between watching it the first time and recording about it that we wanted to get that instant reaction. And that's really what I want to get. Uh, now, some of these will be movies, though, that, Steve, you and I have experienced before. Mm-hmm. So it's not an instant reaction to our first viewing, but it is an instant reaction to this current this current round with this right. movie. Uh, so we're starting with Labyrinth, though. And so, Evan, we're... Labyrinth is a movie from uh, 86. It was um, it's, it's directed by Jim Henson. One of the producers is George Lucas. Mm-hmm. So those are two names you may be familiar with. Are those two names you're familiar with, Evan? Yes, I am. I, I would assume that you would be. <laughs> um, Terry Jones, are you familiar with that name? No, I'm not. Terry Jones. Uh, Steve, are you familiar with that name? Of course I am. Tell us, who is Terry Jones? Terry Jones was the, the guy from um, the Monty Python. <laughs> yeah. And now, afterwards now, he did... In what respect, though? Well, all the Pythons were writers and actors in their sketches. Okay. And so he's one of them. And he was the person who did the script for this movie. Okay. And I had actually hoped to start you with Dark Crystal, if we were going to go with a you know, this Jim Henson route here with some of these older Jim Henson things, because that one was first and labyrinth is kind of a course correction from dark crystal. Okay. Dark crystal is all puppets, no humans at all. Yep. I've heard things very fantasy. Well, it's, it's a 100%, you know, fantasy world where, so you're not coming from earth to this other world. You are just in that other world. And it also is very dry. I'm just going to say that, you know, it's dry. There's some humor, there's some action, but it's, this is why they brought in Terry Jones to script. Now he's an accomplished writer, you know, so he's not just jokes. He he really is a good writer. He's written novels and, and other screenplays and that kind of thing. But they brought him in to make a movie that would be a little more lighthearted, maybe a little more uh, human. And that's also why you have Jennifer Connelly. And the reason we're doing this first, David Bowie. Are you familiar with either of those names? I am familiar with David Bowie from Major Tom. Yes. That's yeah. it. Steve, how about you? David 
Bowie. Is that the knife or something? Uh, hmm, David well, Bowie, that's where he got David his name, Bo- though. <clears throat> because he and, didn't want... I mean, it was David Jones. Mm-hmm. And so he took the name Bowie because of because Bowie he knife. he didn't want to be uh, associated with Davy Jones from the, the monkeys. monkeys. Yeah. yeah. So, Are you familiar with the monkeys? Uh, yes. Okay, Evan, good. The good. monkeys were... Sort of a, a tongue-in-cheek parody, like a super group, not a super group, but a, like a, a put-together group. Well, a parody of the super group, though. A parody of, well, a parody of, of the Beatles. Right. right. They so. guest starred on Boy Meets World. <laughs> yes. That's how I know who they are. Well, but they, what's awesome about it is, you know, they do their TV show, which is really a parody of the Beatles and that super stardom and that kind of thing. But in the context of creating the band for the TV show, they were actually creating another Beatles. That's what they were hoping for is that kind of thing to catch on. And Uh it worked out. They had some really, really popular songs and Mm -hmm. funny, funny, funny TV show. Even when it's not funny, it's funny. That's how funny it is. (laughs) Yeah. But back to Labyrinth. Uh, Jennifer Connelly, you might know from uh, Dark City. And you also might know her from uh, one of the Hulk movies. Mm-hmm. I can't remember oh, which yeah. one now. It's the Ang first Lee's one. Hulk. Was it Ang Lee's? It might have been. Yes, yeah. it was because the the Incredible Hulk was um oh Aerosmith. Arwen. A- Aerosmith's uh, Steve Tyler's daughter. Oh yeah, uh, what's her name? Good old <laughs> girl from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We're off to a great start here. Yeah, Tyler, uh, Liv, Liv, Liv Tyler, Tyler. Yeah, that's Liv, it, Liv Tyler. Tyler. Awesome. That's who it is. Yeah. So we have a fantasy movie that is not Muppets. It's not Kermit and the gang. And it's not Dark Crystal, which, you know, so we have that course correction. But it is meant to be uh, very much, it is a fantasy movie of and from the 80s. And it is very 80s. (laughs) So just to to make you aware of that, Evan. Okay. But to kind of show my hand a little bit, um, yeah, this is a movie I've watched a number of times, and I've watched it a number of times on purpose because I wanted to, <laughs> not because. This is, yeah, this is one of my wife's favorite movies. Okay, so, we so we've tipped our hand a little bit here, Evan, but we will. Hopefully, the film does not reflect negative on your personal choices, or on yours, Evan, or on yours, or on mine. Yeah, I could so, have lived in the dark, yeah, the dark here. <laughs> I've been wasting my life, never having seen Labyrinth before. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. are you ready, my friend? Because I, I can't wait to talk about some of these themes and, and ideas that are in this movie. And Yeah. So, are you ready, gentlemen? I'm ready. From here, we're going to split up. We are going to go to the surface of this time planet movie. We need to work on the metaphor here a little bit, maybe. <laughs> um, but we're, we're going off on the mission. And we are going to take on this retro movie and yeah, we'll report in as we go along. All right. You ready, Steve? I'm ready. You ready, Evan? Affirmative, Captain. All right. Engage whatever it is we're engaging here on a time starship and be careful out there. Evan's log. I'm two minutes into the movie and Pardon my slight breach of protocol, but I just needed to stop and report that the CGI owl at the beginning of this film is by far the greatest work of computer-generated imagery I've ever seen. And it's worthy of note, and I just thought I would stop and um, 
and talk about it for a second, along with the pixelated reflections on the invisible labyrinth walls that we're seeing during the opening credits. Um, I'm just blown away. I'm sorry. All right. Well, we'll continue, and I'll be back in approximately 23 minutes. Captain's log, 25 minutes in, and we already had, in two minutes, in two minutes, we had a breach of protocol. Evan, Evan, Evan. We will talk about this off microphone. But uh, here's where we are. We have set up the problem, which is um, the girl's brother has been kidnapped by the Goblin King. We have set up how she is going to rescue her brother. This girl has wished her brother to be taken by the Goblin King. He has come for her to rescue her brother from the Goblin King. She must go through the labyrinth, and we have actually spent some time in the labyrinth. It's a pretty nasty place. She's in a sticky wicket, if you would. And so here am I talking about this movie and David Bowie is singing his song, the dance magic dance, I believe is what the song is called. It's classic, probably the only song that's really going to get stuck in your head from this movie. And I'll be honest. um, I mean, this is the reason we're doing this is because of David Bowie and his recent passing away. Uh, This movie was just put on back on my radar. And so that's why we're here. I'm interested to hear what Ensign Evan has to say about this. We will see. I am pretty excited, though, because I think he's going to like it. I really like this movie a lot. It's a Henson movie. It's weird. It's it's like a combination of Henson and Monty Python, and it's not the movie I was expecting when I first saw it, but it is the movie that I got, and now I'm, I'm used to it. So here we are, 25 minutes in. We know what the problem is, and we know how she's going to have to get her solution. Evan's log, 25 minutes into the film. I'm right in the middle of a David Bowie song, and I'm looking around to make sure nobody else is watching me watch this movie because I'm kind of embarrassed. But a couple of things I have to say. This girl is really, really whiny and quite possibly the greatest actress, most authentic performance I've ever seen, just like that owl before. Puppets are great by Jim Henson, of course they are. And uh, this whole predicament that this girl and her brother has found herself in is the reason you shouldn't get caught up in Dungeons and Dragons, kids. Same thing could happen. Same thing could happen. All right, I'm going to continue on now. I'm going to continue on. Okay, first 25 minutes of Labyrinth. Um, I like the pace of the film because a lot of times in movies like this and fantasy superheroes, sci-fi, you get a lot of setup. And with this, we get the labyrinth within 15 minutes. We're introduced to Sarah, Toby, Jareth. You got all the, the big names right in there. And even at the very end of the the thing here, we have Hoggle, <clears throat> although we get to see him peeing. <clears throat> Not exactly sure why. Um, the interesting thing to me 
was that when you get a, a glimpse of the labyrinth as the labyrinth, you see that it's set up as a maze, but it's a labyrinth in a magical sense, I think, because I think she's, in a sense, bound to get there. So it is a labyrinth. She's walking through somewhere to get somewhere, and um, it just looks sort of daunting, I guess. So um, the, we also have the first song, uh, which is kind of cool. It's you know, we're going to see a lot of that and hear a lot of it, um, you know, working up to the the, uh, the fantastic um, uh, as the world falls down uh, thing in the middle. Um, but we get that first first uh, first song or two out of the way. Um, we get underground. We get uh, uh, magic dance. And um, it actually takes four hours of movie time out of the way, the 13-hour clock. We have uh, four hours of actual movie time done. So it's a, it, it's really pacing itself very well, I think, here. So that's, uh, that's my big review for the first 25 minutes of Labyrinth. And uh, there you go. Captain's Log... Uh... This report is coming in at 50 minutes now, and we've been going through the labyrinth for the last, well, for a while now, and there's been plenty of things that have come up, um, <clears throat> and so just to give you an idea where we are in the plot, she has not made it to the Goblin King's castle, but she has met some new friends, you know, like Wizard of Oz kind of friends, we're helping her through, including Hoggle, who, you know, he's in it for himself, but, you know, maybe he has a heart of gold, and the monstrous, uh, furry, Sasquatch-like monster that is just an amazing puppet, an amazing achievement in full-body puppetry. Uh, just w wonderful, wonderful. Both of these characters, great puppets. Um, she's gone through tunnels with drills coming at her as she's trying to find her brother, and David Bowie has sung a song about her ba baby brother. By the way, you may have heard my kids in the background, and if you have, that's because I'm watching it with my kids. Uh, they are enjoying it more than I thought that they would, although there are times when I've had to stop and explain to them things about the era. Uh, one thing that I have not talked about with my kids is David Bowie's trousers. Um, yeah, that's unfortunate. But, you know, she's on her journey. It's her hero's journey as she has, you know, taken the call to action now and she's met these these characters. We have the awesome pit that she falls in with all the hands that form into to faces. I mean, this is just great. Now, I know about Evan's breach in protocol, in sending in that early message that he really shouldn't have, have sent in. But you know what? He's following Steve's lead as far as just forging your own trail, I guess. Uh, <clears throat> but um, I don't know how he is liking things so far, and I have to say that um, I'm hoping he's enjoying it the way my kids are. That's the end of this report, and we'll, we'll hear from Steve and, and Evan in just a moment here, and then we'll move on, and we'll be at the 75-minute mark, and then we'll be done. Evan's log. Who greenlit this movie? Whoever they were, I don't know what to say about them. That wouldn't be really mean. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm. This is uh, another twenty-five minutes in, so that's fifty minutes into the film. Uh, this is looking like a pretty bad Alice in Wonderland wannabe story 
And um, David Bowie's pretty cool as the bad guy, but everything else is really, really subpar, and I can't help but think that it was also really, really subpar back in the day. Now, obviously, the puppetry is out of this world, but it's not in just the puppetry. It's how you use the puppetry and what projects you choose to use the puppetry for. And this one is, uh, it's pretty stupid. <laughs> it's my, my 50 minutes in assessment. So I'm sure we can elaborate that on, on that later. And I'm, I'm confident that the film will continue, but I'm not confident if it'll get better or if it'll get worse, but we'll see. We're going to continue now. The second 25 minutes of Labyrinth, and we get door riddles. These are really cool. I really enjoyed the door riddle. Door riddle. My kids had fun when they were trying to figure it out. I think I paused the movie the first time we watched it. And it's a fun one to try to figure out because it, it really does work in the real world. If, if you had that whole setup, I won't ruin it. No spoilers here. Even though it's a 30-year-old movie, no big deal. One thing I, I did notice about the film as a whole, and this sort of sets it up and keeps it going, is Doors in general. And almost any time she comes to a door or the group comes to a door, it's iconic. It's epic. There's the door knockers. There's the door guardian when the doors close together and it comes out as the as the armored foe. And here we have the doors being guarded by these keepers of the riddle or whatever you want to call them. Really interesting. I like the effect of doors in this movie because in a labyrinth you wouldn't have doors you would have them in a a maze <laughs> or a dungeon or a, you know something like that here you have doors in a place where you're supposed to be getting through it and there you have it that's uh my big takeaway from from the doors there we have uh, Ludo. We finally meet Ludo in this part of the, the movie, and we get about three and a half hours of movie time blown away, which is pretty cool. Um, three hours lost to the piece of cake comment that she makes. So you have the intensity ratcheting up. You know, you, you have this pacing. Uh, so you have this, you know, time lock that she's trying to, to uh, beat so, really interesting so far. Like I said, I've watched this movie before, so no big deal. But um, watching it again this way, I think it's really interesting seeing the pacing, seeing how different things are used in ways that I hadn't seen before. So there you go. Second to 25 minutes of Labyrinth. Captain's Log, we're now at 75 minutes in. And we have made it through the labyrinth. We are now into Act 3, basically. We are at the Goblin, the gates of the Goblin City, the Goblin Village. And they've made it through the labyrinth. They've, they've gotten through all of the obstacles. And these obstacles all have to do with 
our main character. They all have to do with her, like really her journey growing up. Uh, she's dealt with the the trash things that are meant to just keep her back and hold her down and 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 stunt her development she's gone through the ballroom scene with uh the adults with their masks their creepy masks she's gone through uh the the fart swamp and and it's i mean it's fun uh so here we are now we are getting ready to start act three but that that's the point where we are and i'm i'm loving this and i know um I don't know. I, I hope Evan is loving it too, as as much as I'm loving it. My kids are enjoying it, although the um, the trash scene where she's in her room and and they have she's in sitting in her room and there's all these things getting attached to her and they're things from her childhood, you know, that are just going to accumulate around her, and you know, that's one of the things that are could possibly hold her back from finishing and getting through the labyrinth. Um, that scene really bothered one of my daughters, but yeah. Um, I'm excited to hear what Evan has to think about this. Evan's log. I feel like this is one of those movies where if you hadn't slept for 24 hours and you put this thing in, you wouldn't have any idea what you were seeing. Your brain couldn't process it. And I assume it would be the equivalent of being on some sort of illegal narcotic. I'm going to keep watching, though. All right. Part three of Labyrinth. This is minute 51, roughly, through one hour and 15 minutes. And here we have uh, Sir Didymus. We meet him. And the centerpiece of the movie, the As the World Falls Down, um, which I think is sort of hand in hand with uh, the last song he sings, Within Me, Within You, <clears throat> Within You. Um, so I think this is a parallel songs, uh, interestingly um, set up here. So here we have uh, Didymus, we have... Um, her trip back to her room, which of course is uh, still in the labyrinth world, and of course not really her room, which was uh, very interestingly done. I was intrigued by how, how you know, through the looking glass it looked, and um, very interesting things there. M- watching the movie again, I'm, I'm picking up a lot more of some of the bad language that, you know, some of my kids are, are picking up, but then they're not exposed to a lot of it. Um, but even with, uh, you know, a hoggle saying, you know, damn you, Jareth, and damn me too. Um, and the, you know, the word hell and, uh, whichever song it was underground, I believe, um, things like that are sort of like, this is not fully a kid's movie. It's putting it outside those realms. Although, there's so much in it for kids to sort of gloss over that. Maybe, you know, if you're sensitive to that type of stuff, maybe this is a way that you can address those words and those issues in a way that makes sense to your kids. Excuse me. In a way that makes sense to your kids at the time that you're watching it. So, so far, 
so good. One thing I didn't terribly like is the coincidental uh, Ludo and Didymus and Hoggle off screen a little bit when she comes out of her room and you know she's lost to them for that entire time. We don't see them at all and all of a sudden she gets out of this trap and they're there. And I'm like, <clears throat> okay, whatever. <laughs> sort of struck me as odd. It didn't really, uh, it didn't follow the flow of the whole thing. It looked like there should have been something more there, but wasn't. So anyway, a little niggle. That's about all I have for that. So, there you go. Okay, Captain's Log, final report here as the credits have rolled and returning to the ship in just a moment. And I uh, can't wait to listen to Evan's uh, response because um, I know uh, he's a fan of, of Muppets and he's a fan of good fantasy. And so here I am, um, you know, we've, we've gotten through the battle, the final battle. We've gotten to the point where, you know, the conflict comes to a head between the girl and the Goblin King over the little tiny baby boy, the cute little baby boy. And... Yeah, I've enjoyed watching David Bowie. Um, you know, it's kind of weird with him passing away. Uh, he released this video that I watched the day before. Uh, it was, you know, they released it the weekend before he passed away, and I watched the video the day before, and it was weird seeing him aged in that, and now seeing him so young in this. And again, probably the less said about his his wardrobe, the better. But um, I'm, I'm I'm curious what what Evan thinks there, but I I'm yeah I'm, I'm pretty pretty excited to to see uh, what what he thinks about it. And I know uh, Steve's wife is a fan, and that he's he likes it too. So here's our reports. Um, this this final bit, I really like it. I think it fits nicely. It's again, it's weird. It's '80s. It's not exactly what you might expect from a typical Muppet movie. But then again, what is a typical Muppet movie? You know, you have there's Muppets and then there's Muppets. And this one is Muppets, not Muppets. Captain Ben out. Evans Log just uh just finished the movie. And uh I have to say I haven't seen a movie I disliked that much in Probably a while. Probably a good long while. Uh, at least a movie that I disliked that much without any, like, moral trash in it. That one didn't have much in it, but I still disliked it a lot. Um, I'm sure we'll go into this in detail during the podcast, but one of my... Uh, things that really stuck out to me was that it tried to have the tone and pacing and comedy of a cartoon uh, and and fell short. It failed at its mission. Uh, it was trying to be a new sort of Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland sort of thing. Also, also failed at the mission. And um, creeped me out. Creeped me out. Don't think I'm ever gonna ever watch it again. So, uh, probably have nightmares this evening. Uh, and my wife 
will not be happy. So, all right. Looking forward to discussing this with my fellow crewmates on uh, Thursday. But until then, uh, I'll just be lying awake in my bed, sucking my thumb. Uh, all right. Over and out. All right. Uh, this is the fourth of four of the labyrinth movie examinations here. And this is the very last part, the 75 minute point to the end of the film. Obviously one of the most fantastic scenes in the entire thing is the uh, MC Escher uh, recreation with all the different stairs and step stepways and all that different uh, portals and things like that. And how, how well it is used, um, especially near the end where she jumps into thin air. And for a second, you get the sense of where would gravity pull her, which I thought was really interesting to, to, you know, to give that aspect to it. The song that, uh, David Bowie's singing within you is, is the, I think the, the companion piece to, as the world falls down and wraps up the whole music part of it, I think, very well, especially his music parts. The The poem that she reuses from the first part of the film and basically beats him with with that information with, that she's relearning from the poem. I thought that was really strong as well. And I think one of the interesting things, and I guess some people don't, fully they they process it a different way at the end when she is welcoming the characters now from the movie into her life all the different you know the the all the different things in her room in real life you could you know take it one way or the other but if you look at the whole movie as her coming of age and looking at the things in her past and and dealing with them you know, she's reached a point where she has resolved her feelings against her her brother, and can actually take these things from her life that were buried in her subconscious or whatever, and now she can take them and put them into her life in a positive way, in a way that makes sense, in a way that is the way an adult processes things. You know, like when you take that uh, stuffed animal that you loved as a child and you know, make a pillow out of it and, you know, put it in the chair in the corner. So every time you look at it, you still get that sense, but it's a different thing. It's an adult thing now. And I think that's what that end scene is, that she's processing these things that represent her childhood, but in a way that is bringing her into maturity. So I think those are my, my big wrap-up items for Labyrinth. All right, we're back. <sighs> I see that you, uh, gentlemen, are a little... Evan, you seem a little, little rattled. I am, actually. Uh, just trying to catch my breath here, trying not to vomit anymore. Yeah. Trying to just keep it down. Um, yeah, monitoring your transmissions. Uh, Evan, I, I, <laughs> I'm wondering... 
as we look at this movie. I promised you that we are going to be bouncing back and forth between good and bad, and you know, and and I, I said that the, you know the next one was going to be a bad one for you, but right. Uh, how you feeling? <laughs> what what well, are you thinking here about about labyrinth? If if the next one was going to be the bad one, meaning this one was the good one, yes, that was the I intended plan. Am very concerned <laughs> <laughs> with the next film on the list. Wow. I am. I'm very concerned. Give give us a rating, Steve. Steve, give us a rating first, okay? You're looking at let's let's do one out of five. You know, one one to five rather. Uh, I don't know, one to five. Sacrifice children. I was gonna go with farting rocks. Oh, okay. But we can go. No, I don't think we should use sacrifice children as a oh, rating. Oh, okay. It seemed appropriate here. Um. <laughs> swashbuckling stuffed foxes is that could we go one one out of five sure. swashbuckling yeah. yeah we can do that or uh How about <laughs> random How about... chickens how's that <laughs> what do you give one out of five random chickens how's that sound uh i would say probably uh three and a half to four random chickens okay and uh evan I'm going to have to go with 1.5 random chickens. Oh, wow. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm going with a four. Oh, all right. I am. I'm wow. going with a four. So we have a four, a one. And Steve, you got to pick a number so I can do the math. You going to go three, five or 3.5 or are you going to go with four? Let's do 3.75. Let's do 3.5. <laughs> Just so it's easier math. Because then, wow. yeah, well, you know, I'm trying to trying to get an average score here. You can do averages with, um, with, with, you know. Oh, and I got a decimals. Re- yeah. Well, we're getting about a two point seven star, uh, two point seven random chickens out of five here. So I can live with that. That's on, you know, it's on the positive side of things. It's past two point five. Right. It's right in the middle. If you round it, if you have to round it to a point five or a point zero. If Split if you right. round it, it's it's three, right? But I think more importantly, I think we should say, well, why one point five out of five? Well, obviously we have to go there. <laughs> I'm I'm uh, actually this is kind of uh, derailing where I thought the conversation was going to go, but let's let the conversation take us where it's going to take us, <laughs> Evan. Well, where did you think it was going to go? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we <laughs> I thought you were going to like it. Is what I thought. Oh. So, All right. Well, where do you want to start then? Why don't you like it? <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> I thought we were friends. I thought I knew you. Oh, dear. well. As I look back on it, um, I like it a little more than when I first finished the film. Wait. So, how many random chickens would you have given it when you first finished it? Then before? Oh, pro- probably a one. Oh, so a, a half a random chicken better. Yes, we've got a half a random chicken better than it, it was before. Um, okay, so there's there's a f- several reasons why I don't like. It. What? Why do you guys like it? Because maybe that would maybe that'd be a better to, way to start. Like, um, well, okay, because there's just so much. I will that say I, that I don't like. I will say I came to this movie. Uh, I saw parts of it as a kid, as, as a youngster. Uh, 86, I would have been 12. 
I saw parts of it, you know, in junior high and then came back to it because it was Jim Henson as I think it was out of college even when I when I rented it to see it. And it wasn't what I was expecting. And I, I don't know what I was expecting, but it was it was weird. Offbeat, yeah. Yeah. different, um, just just odd, you know. And, and so I, I was a little put off at first, but then I, I watched it again and I was thinking about what is this movie trying to say? What is this movie about? And I could see reasons for people to, you know, not like what they think the movie is is saying, because especially with the relationship between uh, Jareth and um, and Jennifer Connelly. What's her character's name? Uh, oh, that's really bad. Wow. <laughs> he only screams it out a couple hundred times during the movie. Yeah, uh, Sarah, <laughs> Sarah. Um, because it seems like he's he's this older man who's got this inappropriate fixation on her or you know there's a meant to be a relationship there but um as See, I was, that part didn't bug me well, he's a goblin he's not an older man well he's definitely older though yeah well, he's also an owl some of the time so yeah but what i get out of that though is you know this is about growing up you know and and leaving behind childish things or not leaving them behind and you know, the whole, the dance scene, that, mm-hmm. that whole ballroom scene that they have there. I see that now and I kind of look at it and see, you know, here's this girl who she's coming out of girlhood, moving into womanhood. And these are, you know, this is adulthood she's looking at and it's gross mm-hmm. and it's yeah. weird and it's scary. Mm-hmm. And that's what this movie to me is about. It's just about the scariness of moving from childhood to adulthood. And so now I'm appreciating the themes a little bit more, but then I'm also, I love the visual design. I love the puppetry and the puppet Mm -hmm. design. Um, I, I, and that's something that even on the first viewing that I really, really loved and appreciated and liked. And I like dark crystal more on that end because in dark crystal, they're creating a whole world and here. It's just kind of this one, fantasy setting you know kind of a dreamlike setting of the labyrinth which by the way did you know there's a difference between a labyrinth and a maze do you know what the difference is there's a minotaur in the middle of the labyrinth no. <laughs> a maze a maze is meant to be confusing and so actually okay. this movie is about a maze a labyrinth is meant to be a path that you just walk along that goes around and right. meanders but it's a guided path and so uh-huh. you're you're not trying to solve a labyrinth you're following along with the labyrinth with a maze you're trying to solve it it's a it's a puzzle it's a conundrum right so it and i don't know if they intended that original meaning of labyrinth where the the maze takes you the path takes you where it's going to take you um because that also puts a little bit of a different spin on things where you know no matter what she's doing she's going through this and it's intending to get her to the end of it um you know with puzzles along the way but i don't know I that might be thinking a little bit too much, which is something that Daniel on the other podcast that I do does accuse me often <laughs> of doing. But anyway, so I like the themes, I like the puppetry, I like the characters. They're they're fun characters. You know, she's it's basically a Wizard of Oz kind of thing where she's assembling her crew of people who are reflections of herself. 
and reflections of her the things in her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the end. Weird. Okay, I didn't get that at all. Ben. I I I don't know why it goes where it goes in the end. Okay, where? No, not the end. The the reflection thing. Like oh, I don't I don't see that whatsoever. But that's a that's a, you have to when you watch this movie you have to look for it, and that's the same thing with Wizard of Oz. You have to look for it when you you, you can't just it's not going to be you know spoon fed to you. But there's the heroic part of her. There's the part that wants to be, um, you know, selfish and and you know it's yeah it, that's the you know when you have these kind of movies where they collect a group of people to help the hero along the way until they mm-hmm. get to the end where they have to f- take on the bad guy by themselves uh that's this kind of movie this that wizard yeah. of oz type of thing yeah they were going for a wizard of oz sort of feel only problem is this girl character is one of the most unlikable characters i've ever seen in a movie is that why you didn't like it the, I think that's one of the main reasons I did not like it because from the opening, the opening scene as soon as she comes in, she's just so unlikable. And I get, and I know she's supposed to be, but then as soon as she gets into the labyrinth, she totally like turns on a dime and switches into a girl who's nice and sweet to everybody and is going to try to save her little brother whom she put in danger in the first place. And it just was totally unrealistic to me. It did not ring true and because of that she just continued to be unlikable the rest of the film. How much time do you spend with teenage girls? <laughs> uh, not too much anymore. So Yeah, and, and that's another thing that I really like about this movie is it it's about it's about being a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. Where you do turn on a dime. Yeah. Where you do things that you regret. And then have to make up. This whole movie is about her being so mad. She's in a blended family situation. Her mom is not there. She is angry at the world because the world is is pushing her in all these places she doesn't want to be. Like babysitting her brother. So what does she do? She uses her imagination. Because she obviously doesn't know that a Goblin King really exists. So when she puts her brother in danger. Unless she does. Let's let's assume that the movie tells us what we need to know, and you, you can try and read it that she knows more, but I, I don't think she believes in the Goblin King right. until he comes, and then she realizes she's done something horrible. And so, what is she spending the rest of the movie doing, making up for that horrible thing she's done? She's trying to get her brother back, save her brother that she did this terrible thing too, and she gets distracted along the way. But yeah, you say she turns on a dime. Maybe she does turn on turn on a dime, but it's to do the right thing, right? Yeah. So and I, I mean, I, I, you know, work on a school bus, so you know, I see people all the time where you know they come onto the bus and they're you know they're a certain way, and you know I can I can say something or someone else says something to them or whatever, and all of a sudden it's like it's like a a, a, a switch is flicked. Yeah, you know that's adolescence right there, man. Yes, I know. I don't know. They, I don't think they gave us enough of her character beforehand, before she went to the labyrinth, because before she met the Goblin King, she is over the top the worst child of all time. <laughs> oh, Evan. <laughs> like, oh, Evan, if this is what you think about the no, worst child of all time, you are in for a surprise, my movies. friend. I don't... I can't think of another movie where a kid is that bratty and it's a, it's a 
well done movie. And yet I see that and feel like it's pretty realistic. Okay. I really do. I, I unfortunately really do. Yeah. I mean, it's that... actually, it, it's because other movies aren't that honest about the character. They want a character to be that character, you know, that one specific role and doesn't switch around. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting that uh, in, in Star Wars, you know, you see Princess Leia and she's all business with Darth Vader and, and Tarkin. And then, you know, she sees Luke for the first time and he's a stormtrooper and she obviously notices something out of the ordinary. The first thing she does is make a joke. And you're like, you know, this is someone who's just switched from one thing to another thing. And then, you know, it's, they're thrown into battle and she's all business again. And then what happens as soon as they get back on the ship, she's, you know, consoling Luke. And she's two people, you know. That's I think that's one of the the great reasons why Princess Leia is is such a a popular character and fleshed out, is because she has that dynamic, you know, where it's it's a real person. She's not, you know, a princess all the time, you know, and and she she demands this and oh demands this and demands this. That's not what she is, you know. She's she's two people. She's business when she needs to be business, and then she's. She's you know gentle like because that's her normal her normal way to be, and this character it's honest because she is a, a selfish little girl, you know, and she's in a position where you know this baby has sort of taken over the space in her in, in the her family's life where she used to used to occupy it, but now she has to do this thing. And she realizes it's not like, oh, I have to do this. But she has to do it because if she doesn't do it, her entire life is changed. And all of a sudden, she's that determined girl that she was arguably before this movie, before the baby came into the picture. She probably had those, you know, those qualities that we're seeing in the labyrinth. And that's what's playing out. You know, yes, she's selfish and she was affected negatively by this baby and she, you know, had a terrible moment there. But that's people. That's human beings. You know, that's that's sin. You know, that's our fallen nature. And she she works to overcome that in the in the in the labyrinth when she makes those choices to go back and to be that determined child again. Maybe it's because her acting wasn't very good. Sure, maybe. Maybe. Because, Steve, I understand what you're saying. I And, of course, I, I recognize multifaceted characters are the are good characters, and, but they just have to be done well on the screen, not just in the script. Mm-hmm. And I feel like her performance did not ring true to me. And so I didn't like her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, arguably, it's, it's hard to find a good child actor, so... You know, you have to you have to work with what you have, and it can still be a good movie with a bad actor. So, yeah. So I, I and I I enjoyed I enjoyed the movie, and so maybe I'm already predisposed or to to like the characters, even if they aren't uh, portrayed as good as as they they could be or or something. Right. But mm-hmm. um, because I'm I'm now when I watch it, I want. You know, I, I enjoy watching Labyrinth. And when I when I, we were when we were gonna do this one, I was like, Oh, this is this is a treat. I get to go back and watch this. I watched it with my kids too. 
And yeah. my kids enjoyed it. They they liked it. I was surprised. Now, there were some moments where I had to stop and say, okay, kids, it was the 80s. <laughs> and it just, you know. Yeah. Um, and you can definitely – you can definitely tell it's an 80s movie and not just because of the music and the hairstyles and stuff. Um, but I feel like there's definitely an influence from that uh, Dungeons and Dragons basement games subculture. That's really <laughs> it's really permeating this film. Really? Uh, I, don't, I don't think I see that, though. Oh, I definitely get that vibe for sure. Well, I guess, you know, traveling a maze and having to overcome obstacles. There's, there is, I guess, an element there, and she is again accumulating a team of people mm-hmm. who are different uh, personalities yeah. and and they all meet in a skill tavern sets, and, yeah, you know, yeah. Or something. And, and, and <laughs> I feel like uh, this is this is a movie that you know conservative Christians in the '80s would have boycotted. <laughs> maybe if it had been successful. Honestly, <laughs> if it had been successful, maybe. But it doesn't go. I mean. There's no well. I don't know. I don't she know. She summons a demonic being with a prayer that comes and abducts her baby brother. Right, but it's it's a dark it's a demonic goblin. being, and it's portrayed that way. Right, I know. It's it's definitely portrayed it's also, as evil. It's, it's it's not a good. It's not a good. It's not portraying evil as good. Right, yeah. which I I do like that. It's portraying evil as handsome, or <laughs> <laughs> yes, as and that attractive let's put it that way the reason i give this movie even one star is because of david bowie what a great character what a and he did a fantastic job playing it Mm -hmm. um so that i mean every every scene he was in was was just great yeah and did they really uh was that really his hand doing the stuff with the balls no was that that was somebody else okay yeah because i'm gonna say that guy is sweet yeah. Awesome. No, yeah. He, he they have a hand double who can do that, you know, just off screen and they, they did a nice job I think making it look like it was him. Yeah, I couldn't tell. Um, I thought it was him. I actually do a a very small modified version of that and when I when I play softball, sometimes I pitch and sometimes you have to just wait for someone to get up to bat or something to resolve or whatever and I can do that with one hand. I can like, you know, roll it to the back of my hand and then roll it to the front of my hand. So, cool. you know, th- this is something, this is a movie that has affected my <laughs> life. To that point. Uh, so do you have a puppet in there with you, Dan- uh, Steve, a puppet? Yeah. A puppet dog or something. <laughs> I have a dog. Yes. He's, he's in, enamored with the cats that are also in the room. Okay. So I'm trying to keep him from running and making everything go crazy <laughs> who let him on the spaceship that's what i want to know who let the dog on the on the time traveling spaceship he can't shout it's on the computer space computers. dog I'm no, the space, space monkeys dog. space monkeys he's a space dog <laughs> uh yeah so david bowie i think there is uh one one element that we probably have to dance around a little bit but uh he stuffed his trousers in this movie I don't know what's going on there, but the costuming for his pants. Um, Yeah. Can we edit that? I don't think we have to bring that up. It is something that's very much uh, an unfortunate part of this movie. And it's just very, I don't understand. Why is this in a children's movie? 
Why is that costuming? And it's not there in the close-ups. In the in the close-ups, they they don't have that that visual. But in you know the far away, you're just oh, and it's a little embarrassing. So anyway, who are your favorite characters? So <laughs> <laughs> there is a part of this movie. Um, All right. What else is a part of this movie? Child endangerment. That's yeah. 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 That's that is creepy. The things that they do with the baby, uh, putting him in the room with all of those monster puppets. I I'm not gonna let my kids watch this movie. Just uh, and I have one on the way, so I can make that decision now. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not gonna let them watch this movie till they're maybe a teenager. Well, that might be appropriate, but still, yeah. I mean, you're going to let them watch the movie at some point. Maybe if they want to. Yeah. By that point, this is a footnote in history now. <laughs> it's <laughs> um... uh, And I think the reason I I wouldn't let them watch it is because it's just it, to me it just was very dark and they're they're trying to make it fun and lighthearted and they're I don't know, they're trying to make it have the comedic timing of a cartoon, I said in my in my uh, reports, and it just doesn't cut it. Um, they, they try, it fails, and that, that's not necessarily part of the dark uh, thing, but it just, to me, they're trying to present something that's ugly and evil and make it seem cute and cuddly and let's have a birthday party with it at the end of the movie. Yeah, I don't understand the the party at the end, uh, especially once you see all the things that show up. Yeah, you know it's not just her friends that she accumulated over the time there; it's it's all the goblins too. Yeah, and they're all there, and it's like it's almost this. At first, you're thinking, okay, so she's putting away childish things, like I said, but it's okay because she has these guys; they have her back, and they're there when she needs them. You know, it's kind of, a, oh, that's that's sweet. That's nice, you know, to be able to, you know, re- reflect back. And then it's everybody, good, bad, and ugly. They're all there, except yeah. for the Goblin King, who flew away as an owl. He's just standing outside watching the party, though. Yeah, that's true. So that's that's odd. And that's that probably I need to think more than I want to think about it to really figure out why that's that's there. Well, perhaps it has something to do with redemption. You know, all these things were dark and were bad. And now that the child has returned and made that part right, that redemption, because these things are extensions of her, ultimately, um, they are redeemed. Possibly, because if you're taking on the idea of her going into this world and it's a created thing, mm-hmm. it's an imagination a dream state kind of thing yeah, for her. Yeah. Then all of those evil things, including the Goblin King, yeah. are internalized versions of herself. Yeah. And if that was the case, if it was a dream, I would have far less problems with the movie. They don't but, present it that way, though. No, they don't. And as you may or may not know, I take issues with some magic stuff in entertainment, and this would be one of them. Well, we still have to have that magic episode so we can be on the same page with this, or at least understand the sides of page we are on. I agree. Eventually. 
But this is not that episode, which I think is what I said last (laughs) time we brought that up. But yeah. um, Yeah. And then there's the, the puppetry, the creature effects. Now that was awesome. I mean, there's no denying how great and imaginative the puppetry is. I mean, just the giant furry thing walking around. Smell So crazy (laughs) how they did that. Yep. Yep. And you've got a midget running around with a remote-controlled mask helmet that is emoting as the as the little person is acting. <laughs> and there's three people controlling that face from off-camera. That is just crazy coordination between all four of those guys yeah. who played that part. Really cool. Yeah, and, and that's any any Henson movie, they're pushing their technology and they're creating right. technology to do these things and yeah. um yeah. So I think it's obvious who likes it and who doesn't here. <laughs> but, uh I'm trying to think of some of the other things that I wanted to talk about, but I was so derailed by your negative reaction. And now I'm thinking, okay, where do we go from here? <laughs> Um, and and this won't be every episode we're not doing like a a extended series right now this will be something we come back to every once in a while Um, yeah because now uh, man my prediction for what you were going to think about this is way (laughs) off way off well then I what were you expecting from me I mean I was expecting you you like Muppets though, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was expecting you. Oh, it's 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 not the best movie ever, but I wasn't expecting it to be like a one point five. These are ugly, evil Muppets that do not sing about happiness and rainbows. <laughs> yeah, but they're also human. <laughs> they're human because they're like us. Okay. <laughs> hey, I am oh. I a Muppet? Am I? Or am a I a man? As if I am a man. Oh man. And I'm a Muppet of a man. There are some names that the other names though that were involved here. Kevin Clash, Elmo. He yeah. was in this. Huh? Um Danny John Jules, you may not know him, but he's from uh Red Dwarf. He was in this as one of the voices. You have Brian Henson doing some puppeteering. Frank yeah. Oz is the yeah. wise man. He was in there. Uh, what's his name? Uh, w- w- uh, the guy who played Wicket. <laughs> oh yeah, he's cool. Uh, Warwick Davis. Yeah, that's, that's probably him. Yeah, uh, was, was he, he still a kid during this? Or was no, he a teenager? So. Well, because I thought he was a kid when he played Wicket, wasn't he? Yeah, how old? Well, he wasn't. I don't remember how old he was. Uh, Return of the Jedi would have been what eighty three. Eighty-three. So. Yeah. So this has been three years later, but and this is before Willow, which yeah. uh, Willow is another one we may end up coming back to for you. But okay. Um, man. Then there's the music, which yeah. some of it's memorable and some of it is absolutely not. Do you remind me of a babe? What babe? <laughs> the babe with the power. What power? The power of hoodoo. The power of voodoo. <laughs> power of hoodoo. Another reason why I don't like this movie. Hoodoo. Hoodoo. You do. What do I do? You have a babe. 
which is a, a modified version of uh, the, the 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 joke from uh, uh, the uh, the Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer from <laughs> back in the nineteen forties. It was I think it was um, Shirley Temple. Uh, Shirley Temple's last uh, film, I think, as a you know, huh. as a teenager, and it was a Cary Grant or something. And uh, you know, it, you remind me of a man, the man with the power, the power of hoodoo. You do remind me of a man. Just a circular joke. Mm. And uh, to hear it, hear it again, you know, with David Bowie doing it, I thought, I thought it was cool. <laughs> we used to do that with uh, life. Like, oh, well, that's life. What's life? A cereal. Oh, how much does it cost? $3. That's expensive for a cereal. Oh, well, that's life. What's life? <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. Uh, okay, well, wow. <laughs> so, uh, who knows what we'll do next? Who does? We Not Dark Crystal. We'll come back to that. need to get your mind on some other stuff here. But, you know, some of the titles we've been throwing around have been uh, Black Hole. Mm-hmm. Now, that one, I'm guessing I'm going to like a lot. I don't know. <laughs> you, you let us know. Willow. <laughs> interesting. To, it, there's no magic in it. I don't think so. You can. Oh, it's Walt Disney and it's sci-fi. I'm pretty sure it automatically gets a three star just for that. Uh, well, <laughs> after your reaction here, three out of uh, 10. I don't know. <laughs> okay. To be clear, I did. The reasons that I did not like this movie have nothing to do with its eighties or its technical effects, or anything like that, except for maybe the acting of the lead girl. Well... Okay, so... That's didn't like the not... Magic. That's... Yeah, I think the only... Well, I didn't I, like the magic, I didn't like the tone, I didn't like the sub-messages it was giving, besides its main message. Um, See, I think one of the, the cool messages was similar to... Um, uh, Tolkien's uh, reason for having Aragorn, and he said, you know, to, he he thought he would, if he was, if he was, if he looked fair and seemed foul, that would make sense. But he looks foul and, and seems fair, and in this we have a lot of things that look fair. You know, the the girl and the the the, the Goblin King, and they they're foul, and there's some things that look foul. Uh, with uh, the you know her companions, um, but they seem fair. You know? That's it, it, absolutely a theme that you find here. Yeah, is so looks are deceiving. Yeah, a continuity between you know that those types in fantasy literature. And then there's also that scene in the in the dump in the in the garbage yard or whatever, where yeah. she ends up in her own room, and this is very affecting. Very, very affecting. It really, yeah. it stuck with one of my daughters a lot. She, she, she was thinking about the scene and um, we actually had some good conversation about it because that, that person from the dump, from the, the junkyard is, you know, mine, mine, you know, and that kind of thing. But then she goes into uh, Sarah's room and starts handing her stuff that's yours, you know, and those things are clinging to her and she could easily have been just swallowed up by the things yeah. Uh, and you can look at it the things of childhood or you can look at it the, you know just the things of the of this earth but you know she's piling them up and she is becoming that thing like that creature 
that is just consumed with these things, this junk yeah. that doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. And she's like, you like this, don't you? You like this, don't Oh, you don't want to leave this behind. And it's a very affecting scene and a very uh, a very moral scene, really. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a great, uh, you know, say what you will about the other things that this movie is saying. Uh, but that one is, is I, I still find it very affecting as, soon, as I'm sitting here in, in my time spaceship um, with, you know, plastic toys all over the place. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> I agree with you about that. Scene. And, that was, and, that was very, that was very poignant. Yeah. And that's, that's this movie though. To me, most of the scenes have some sort of effect like that. Like things are not what they seem. Like when she uh, lets the 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 big uh, the big guy down. I can't remember the big guy's name. I, I don't remember either. Just I'm watch really this, bad with names in this The movie. cowardly lion. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. You know, when when they let him down, you know, and, and she's willing to take that risk because she sees what he really is instead of what he looks like. And, and the same with Hoggle. You know, she sees things in him that he doesn't even know are there. And, you know, and then that's the, th- the same with her is there's things in her that she doesn't know are there to be seen. And so anyway, it's it's not a perfect movie. I will never say it's a perfect movie. And I probably weighed it higher with a four than I would if it was, you know, any other director, you mm-hmm. know, and, and any other you know puppet making um, company. Than, than Henson. Um, well, if, if uh, I don't think it, it could possibly be as good as it was with, you know, an, another director, it, it would just no, be a different movie. It would be absolutely different. Yeah. And, yeah. So, okay. And I, you know, I'm leaning towards uh, black hole, but we'll, we'll see what we do next. So I think that that uh, brings this mission to a close. What do you guys think? Aye, aye, Captain. Let's go see what else is out there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Time First warp factor engage thing. Um, you know, Let or it be what? so. Become <laughs> the thing with stuff. Or I could just go with, uh, you know, a little more mundane and typical Godspeed. and Aliens Retro Movie Missions, hosted by Ben Avery, Steve McDonald, and Evan David, Pastor Jason O'Neill Emeritus. Our music is Gold Coast by Jens Kielstofte, available at machinimasound.com. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You may also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com or interact with us at facebook.com slash strangers, or you may leave us a voicemail at the Strangers and Aliens hotline, 1-800-4-37-ALIEN. And once again, thanks for listening.